0: This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona.
1: Yeah, oh, don't worry about the finances. It, it's, it's all good. No, it's not all good. But God can work good through it when I entrust all of my life into his care and when I understand the greatness and the riches of who he is and how he, over and above all situations and all circumstances and all events of my life, he is still in charge. And he is still working this wondrous plan of his.
0: Join us today as Pastor David continues his teaching through the book of Romans. Pastor David will be teaching you the importance of keeping your eyes focused on the providence and promises of God during trials. Do you believe that God is still actively involved in your life while you're going through trials? God is sovereign over all the earth and creation and over all your issues and your trials. Your promise that the Lord will work together for good through those trials that you're going through. Now, here's Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, with part one of our message entitled, Secure in His Victory.
1: Verse 28, we read, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now, I dare say that probably many of you within this congregation this morning not only are familiar with this verse, but some of you have this verse even memorized. You might even have it as a plaque in your home. I shared with you the, the plaque that we had uh, last week, that uh, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you, and that's within our home. Uh, this verse here it would, would make great plaque material. And when I am in trouble, though, don't show me this plaque. When I'm in trouble, I don't want to hear this. Because, again, when I'm in trouble, this doesn't really make sense to me. And you know it yourself, that platitudes and quaint sayings and sometimes even Scripture verses, I don't want to hear that right now because the hurting is so real and so intense. And when somebody comes and flippantly says, oh brother, don't worry, don't forget, everything works together for good to those that love God. You know, you, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what, what just took place in our family's life and in our lives. You see, it's easy for me to be able to share this verse with you when you're going through trouble. But just as hard as it is for you to receive something like this, when in in the depths of your very being, your your guts are being ripped out. I guess I can say guts in church, but you know what I mean. In the same way, for you to say the same thing for me, I I deal with the same issue. Everything is working out for good. The reality is, is not everything is good Amen? Amen. There's things that happen in your life and in my life and in in the world. They are not good. The suffering and the pain that we go through, the agony, the heartbreak, all of these things are evident in the lives of, yes, even believers. There's no way that I'm going to come up to you this morning and say, Oh, don't worry. I know what you hear about that doctor's report. But really, it's good. No, it's not. It's a crummy doctor's report, and it makes me feel bad. Oh, don't worry about the finances. It, it's, it's all good. No, it's not all good, but God can work good through it when I entrust all of my life into his care and when I understand the greatness and the riches of who he is and how he, over and above all situations and all circumstances and all events of my life, he is still in charge. And He is still working this wondrous plan of His. Before we get into that too much, I want to talk to you a little bit about something that's good, though, this morning. Something that's good. We talk about all this heavy stuff, but I want you to think for a moment about something good. In this idea of all of these things in our life, That are not good right now. I want you to think about the fact that there are things within our life that are happening to you right now that are good. Let's think for a moment as we put together some ingredients. You might think of taking a couple of tablespoons of sugar first. And who doesn't like sugar? Unless, of course, you're a diabetic, and then keep away from the sugar. It's not good for you. But, you know, for most of us, man, a couple of tablespoons of sugar, absolutely, in my life, man, I love sugar. And I would love, you know, even as a kid, I loved sugar. And even as an adult, I try to avoid it, but I still enjoy it. And when sugar is given to us, man, it's a blessing. It's a pleasurable thing. Well, let's think, too, about milk. Milk is a pleasurable thing, too. Unless, of course, you're lactose intolerant. And then that's not good for you either. And You know, the illustration could fall all apart with all of our ailments. But hang with me for a little bit. You take milk and you take sugar. And even as a kid, I used to take milk and sugar and stir them together and drink it uh, sweet milk. I don't know if any of you ever did that. But, man, what a, what a great thing that was. And what an enjoyable thing that was. And in our life, we have these times of the milk and the sugar and the sweetness of life as we're doing again and following after God in our life. Then there's another ingredient. It's called vanilla. Vanilla. You know, I love, I love vanilla. I love the smell of vanilla. I love vanilla so much that no matter what I know about vanilla, every time that I smell it or use it in a recipe, I want to lick the spoon. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I realize, ah, it does not taste nearly as good as what it smells. It tastes nasty unless it's mixed with something in and of itself. Oh, it looks good it smells good but there's a a taste to it that is not good especially when it's on itself or just by itself let's add some more ingredients what about eggs let's throw some eggs and you got to be careful with eggs don't you what's the first thing you have to do to an egg before you use it in a recipe you've got to break it it's got to be broken before it can be used. It's got to be broken. And not only broken, but then what do you do with it? You start beating it up. You start, you start whipping and stirring and just, uh, you know, again, just putting the thing into, to, just again, blending it all up. It's like unless you're a really bad cook and you just put the whole egg in there and you think, well, it said two eggs. No, you know that it's got to be broken first, and then it's got to be beaten up. It's got to be stirred. It's got to be mixed within the mixture. And some of you in your lives, you feel, well, man, I've I've been broken. Do I need to go through the whipping process too? Absolutely, you do. And in our lives, we need that. But let's add more to the ingredients. Let's throw some flour into there. Who this morning would love to have, man, just a nice big old cup of flour to slam down right now? No way. It's, it's too dry. It's, it's tasteless. But what would the recipe be without it? The dryness. And sometimes the tastelessness. The stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And yet it's needful Within our lives, because God is working in our lives something much greater than we can begin to imagine. You see, God knows the fullness of the recipe. As a matter of fact, He has designed and purposed the recipe to bring about a glorious result. And you would think, okay, I've got this dryness. I've been beaten up. I've been broken. I've got the bitterness out of something that smelled so good that I thought was good and ended up bitter in my life. And yeah, I've got a little bit of sweetness and, and milk mixed up. There. that's enough, that's great. No, it's not enough, because then what happens, folks? It gets put on the fire. It gets put in the skillet, and the heat is turned up, and the only way that that recipe is going to be good, and the only way that those events are going to be good, is when it's placed within the skillet, and the heat is turned up, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning, because maybe you just got out of the skillet, or maybe you're just entering, or maybe you're right in the middle of it this morning. And all of these ingredients added together, some are good and some are a blessing in your life. And you've experienced these sweet things. And some of the things in your life, you know, man, they looked good to begin with, but it ended up bitter. And some of the things in your life, man, it was a brokenness, a a, a beating time. You felt like you were in, again, the the great mixer of life. And you were just being spun around, not knowing what side was up, what side was down. And perhaps in your life, you're in that time of just dryness and tastelessness and there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason, and there's no real outpouring of God in your life. You pray, and there's there's no real response. It's just a real dryness. But you know what? God has a plan. God has a purpose in all of these things. But He's not finished with any of us yet. There is that skillet time. There is that heating time. There is that refining time that He all brings us through. And that's why we can look at a verse like verse 28, and it says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. It starts out with, and we know. We know these things. How do we know these things? Is it because you've come and told me? Don't worry, brother. Don't worry, sister. All things are working together for good. No, that's not going to cut it in my life. Is it because I read it in the scripture and I said, well, I guess so. I mean, the word says it, so I guess it is reality that doesn't even make it real in my life what makes it real is the process of life and the events of life that as we live day in and day out and we can look back 10 years ago or 20 years ago and said man i was in the blender back then or i was in the fire back then and you know what god preserved me and god brought me through that and i can see now at this point in time in my life man some glorious and some wonderful things then the testimony of another, or then the word becomes life. But if it's not real in here first, folks, then how can I really know? How can I really know? It's just like our faith. Our faith cannot be that kind of faith where yeah, it's your faith or my parents' faith. It's got to be my faith. And my faith is not only refined and built up, but it's made evident in the process of the trials of life. And when the Word of God says that we know these things, it's because you have either experienced them yourselves, or you are going through it right now, and you are trusting the Lord, or you have seen and understand the testimony of others and how it relates with what you are going on, what's going on in your life. The only way that we can really know and be assured of these things, if we understand what is known as divine Providence, the divine providence of God. And that is that understanding that God is in charge, that God is over all of His creation, and there is nothing in His creation that slips the mind of God or that slips out of the range of His understanding or slips out of the vision that He sees and knows, that in the divine providence of God, and as I trust in that, then I can know, That this circumstance, as rotten as it is, as horrible as it is, as destructive as it is, God will use in His purposes and His plans in my life to bring about a greater good. This divine providence, it helps us to understand that by whatever means possible, by the might and the power of God, God is going to work His will out, yes, even in the universe as a whole that God is in charge of that universe that He created. He didn't just wind it up and send it on its way. No, He's still actively involved. These verses, there's a multitude of verses that you can go through to cover each one of these things I'm going to cover in a moment. I'm going to only use a couple for the sake of time and for you to write them down, but hopefully it'll jar into you or whet your appetite for further study. That God is, yes, even in charge of all of His universe. Psalm 19.1 declares that the heavens declare the glory of God. God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Man, God has created, God has formed it and fashioned it. And then Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over most of it. His, uh, you don't have your Bibles probably open, but that's not what it says. All of it. All of it. All of it. His kingdom rules over All of it. All of it. Church, all of it. There's not a part, portion, crevice, closet, situation, time frame that God does not rule over. I don't know what your understanding of all is, but from what I understand of all, it means all. And the only time it doesn't mean that is when suddenly I focus on my little world rather than the greatness of who God is. And when I'm focused on the greatness of who God is, then I understand that, man, He is in charge of it all. The affairs, are the, the physical world, He's also uh, over the physical world. His divine providence rules over it. In Psalm 145, verse 9, the word says that the Lord is good to, guess what it says? The Lord is good to all. To all. And His tender mercies are over how many of His works? All of His works. Jesus brings it really home in Matthew 5.45 when He says that God makes His sun rise on both the evil and on the good. And sends rain on both the just and the unjust It's what's called the common graces of God. That even the wicked enjoy the blessings of God, even though they are wicked and they continue to be enemies of God. They still enjoy the the warmth of the sunshine that you you and I enjoy. They enjoy the beauty of a sunset that you and I enjoy. They enjoy life and breath and health, all of these things. It's the common graces of God. Why? Because God is in control over all of the physical world, and He is actively involved in it. He's also actively involved in even the affairs of nations. And sometimes we don't believe that. But yet the Word of God declares it to be true. Psalm 46.6 says that the nations raged, and the kingdoms were moved. Yet He uttered His voice, and the earth melted. They can rage all they want. But at the very voice of God, they melt away. He causes kingdoms to rise and to fall. Psalm sixty-six, seven says that he rules by his power forever. And his eyes observe the nations. God is in control and he is in charge of the rising of kings and the falling of kings. The rising of princes and the destruction of princes. We might say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, hold on a second. What about guys like Mussolini and, and, and Hitler and the Saddam Husseins and those kinds of maniacs? You know what, you can do battle with that all day long if you want. You can do battle with that all next week and all next year if you want. But the Word of God, if you believe the Word of God, you have to understand that God is over all. All of his creation and God calls his nations to rise and nations to fall and how and where and when these evil men take control it's not by my understanding but that's God and if I believe in the divine providence of God then I have to understand that even in the wickedness of men God is going to work through that he either caused them to be in place because of judgment that needs to come, or he has allowed them to be in place because of a testing and a refining that needs to come about. But beloved, if you don't believe that God is in charge, then you have God in this nice, neat little box, and as long as he acts like you want him to act, then he's going to be your manageable deity, and you can deal with that. But as soon as you take the top off of that box, and God is no longer acting the way that you want him to act, or designing the world the way that you want it designed, suddenly you don't know. How How to handle that. Beloved, your God needs to be bigger. You need to understand that he is much, much greater than our understanding. Because he's also over human birth and destiny. Human birth and destiny. In Jeremiah one five, Jeremiah the prophet declares what the Lord spoke to him. And he says, before I formed you, Jeremiah, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, Jeremiah. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah understood by the word of the Lord that God, even before he was formed in fashion within his mother's womb, that God knew him. God had a plan and a purpose, that God separated him, that God called him even before he was born to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. Now, beloved, that is an amazing, amazing truth and a doctrine that you and I need to understand from the very depth and core of who we are as believers because we as a nation are guilty of killing future prophets and future moms and future dads and future teachers and future preachers, future evangelists. We as a nation are guilty of killing through the lawful abortions that we have in our nation, of killing off the future even of our own nation. God knows. God has planned, even human birth and destiny. Paul understood this. Paul understood this when he says in Galatians 1.15, he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and he called me through his grace, he knew that before he was even born, God had called him. Even though most of his earlier life, he spent an absolute rebellion against God as he pursued religion, and God had to interrupt his life and say, no, it's not religion that I want, it's relationship that I want, Paul. And so God brought him into his kingdom, and yet for much of his life he ran from God, and yet Paul understood that before he was even born, God had called him for the very purpose that the end of his life was spent in fulfilling. God is even in charge of human successes and failures. Jesus speaks to us in Luke chapter 1, verses 52 to 53. He says that God has put down the mighty from their thrones, and He's exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. It's God who is going to cause you to be a success. It's God who allows you to be a failure or perhaps even causes it. We can work as hard as we can. We can put our nose to the grindstone. We can put in as many hours of the day as we want to. But you know what, beloved? If we're not trusting and completely giving everything to God, it's to no avail. And God could say, Son, you can work all you want, but you will never succeed until you release it and just come and follow me and be obedient to me. God rises up. God brings down. God causes success, and God brings about failure. The protection of his people, and I I love this. In Psalm 3, verse 5, the psalmist declares that I lay down and sleep, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. You ever think about that? You wake up in the morning, and guess what? You woke up. You woke up. You, you kept breathing through the night, though you didn't have to worry and, and think about it. Your heart kept functioning through the night, though you didn't have to think, okay, I, I can't go to sleep yet because I've got to make sure that my heart's going to keep beating. I've got to make sure that I'm breathing all through the night. God has sustained me through the night. What a great and glorious understanding that is, is that I can sleep in peace. That I can rest in peace. Les Quinsler, who was uh, one of the seniors who were part of our ministry years ago, I used to love listening to Les and the testimony of his life in Christ. A senior man well up into his 80s. And I'd speak to him and I'd say, how are you doing this morning, Brother Les? And he'd say, well, Pastor, I'm still smelling the posies and I'm not pushing them up. So that, that was the attitude of his life. You know, the, the Lord's given me another day. And, I, and I'm just living, and I'm, and I'm excited about the reality that God has given me another day to rejoice and to serve Him. The psalmist also says in 4, eight, he says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone make me dwell in safety. How many people, and in particular, believers... Every night as they go to bed, their thoughts and their minds are filled with the worry of the events of the day and the fears about tomorrow. And as every study you can look at speaks about the fears that we look at tomorrow, 80% of them never happen, and yet we spend our nights in turmoil, tossing and turning because of fear in our life, rather than being able to sleep in the sweet peace of knowing that my God reigns and in His divine providence and in His sovereignty over all of His creation and in the greatness of His love for me i can rest in him i know i've got hell to face tomorrow but you know what i know that my god is with me and i'll be able to stand at those very gates and i'll be able to persevere not by cause of my strength not because of my armament but because of him working in me do you know what the stress and the anxiety does in your life the ulcers The stress attacks, the anxiety attacks that it does. You know what? A Christian ought never, ever, ever to have those things. And yet they're just as common in believers as they are in non-believers. Why is that? I believe because we do not truly believe in divine providence. We do not truly believe in the sovereignty of God.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Romans next time. It's been said that if a believer were to drop their Bible on the ground, it should fall open to the book of Romans. Why, you might ask? Because this book is packed full of doctrine that we truly need to grasp as believers in Jesus. Or maybe you're listening today and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet. We encourage you to continue tuning in Monday through Friday as Pastor David shares insights from this book. Pastor David will be teaching through this book with hopes that all those tuning in each day here on The Open Word would either be saved or be encouraged in their salvation. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So, log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend or to follow the Open Word Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Romans. That's next time on The Open Word.